So, we go through a lot of stuff in life, don't we? Anybody been through a few things lately? You've been through some shaping. How many know God's a, God knows how to shape us? He knows how to put us in order, amen? He knows how to take care of things. I'm gonna have Haley come up here for just a moment, if you would. And uh, she had this opportunity to uh, try out to be, uh, what would you try out for? You tried out to be the, the school mascot. Now, now she didn't get it, say, oh, Yeah, she, she didn't get it. But in order to try out, she, she wanted to do something very unusual. So she was trying to figure out a way to get their attention. So she started learning how to juggle. So I want you to show them what you learned. Just go ahead and, and you're not very good, but that's okay. That's probably why you didn't make it. But, but still, <laughs> still you tried and that's what's important. That's what's important. So let's, let's see what happens here. She said she wasn't very good. Let me try it. I got three in. Okay, but here's the thing. She wanted to get their attention. She wanted to try to do something that she had never done before. And so how did you learn how to do it? I watched a YouTube video. She watched a YouTube video. That's what people do today, right? How many watch YouTube videos? All right, cool. If anybody built your house with a YouTube video, very easy. Um, but anyway, you watched the YouTube. How long did it take you to learn it? Like two weeks. It took two weeks to get it. So those of you who've always wondered how to juggle, get your YouTube video. You can do it in two weeks. Um, so how did you feel when you didn't, when you didn't make it though? Upset. You felt upset, but, but what was the, what was the point of the journey? I mean, why do you think you, uh, why do you think you wanted to do it? Just thought it would be something unusual to do or yeah. So will you try again? If the opportunity comes up. But here's what I like about it. She decided she was going to do something. And even though she didn't make the mascot, she still did something and she proved to herself that she could do something. And I'm really, really proud of her. Now, now here's the, the bottom line in life. The reason why this, uh, this whole uh, juggling thing, I mean, part of it is you have to learn where to focus. You have to learn where to focus. And many of us are focusing on the wrong thing. And so instead of moving to the next thing God has for us, we're still looking at the past. And because we're looking at the past, we're missing what God has for us. And uh, so, so I asked her to come up and do this because I wanted her to know that I'm proud of her. And because I wanted her to know that even though she didn't become the mascot, she's still our mascot. And we really love her. And she's awesome, awesome gal. Did you give her a big hand. Thank you. And secondly, because she said you'll never do it, Pastor. I know you won't. So, so I want to look at a couple passages of Scripture that I think is going to help us this morning uh, to kind of break down uh, where I want to go this morning. Because I had just asked in the back, I said, listen, can you do me a favor? Can you go back and get some, uh, can you go back and get some, uh, some Play-Doh, some clay? Because our God is, is a God who knows how to work miracles in our life. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 64 verse 8. Can you bring that up, guys? I, I think that's what I gave you. Isaiah 64 verse 8. If you can bring that up. And if you can't, I'll bring it up somehow. Isaiah 64. This morning, we have, um, this morning, uh, Yvonne's on, on uh, away this morning. Phil and Yvonne, their son Lane, is preaching down in Columbus. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. 
So they're down there with them today. But Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, and thou art the potter. We, are, we all are the what? Of what? We all are the work of thy hand. Let's go to Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 6. Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 6. I want to talk to you for just a few moments on how God shapes our destiny. How many know God is in the midst of shaping your destiny? Okay, let's look at, at Jeremiah 18, 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Can you imagine if God spoke to you and said, Hey, listen, I want you to go down to the purple door. Anybody know the purple door? Uh, uh, is Zoe here this morning? Oh, yeah, way over there. Okay, Zoe, Zoe is, uh, she, she's the owner of the Purple Door, which is down here on Tusk. And uh, um, it's, a, it's a bakery that has the most incredible cream puffs that has ever, ever come to the planet. They're absolutely incredible. They will blow your mind. I'm just telling you, they're incredible. But she, when she was, uh, she had a place in another area and then God began to speak to her and she went down here to a, another area. She just started looking for where God would send her and God showed her a place and she went down there. Now, the Lord may move her to another place from here. We don't know what God will do next. But the bottom line is she obeyed when God spoke to her to do this. Many times God speaks to us because his voice is continuous, but our hearing is intermittent. Did you hear what I said? God's voice is continuous, but our hearing is intermittent. So we kind of are tuning in and tuning out. We're like a radio that kind of, kind of goes in and out. We turn on and off. When we hear something we want to hear from God, we turn it on. We don't want to hear from God, we turn it off. And sometimes God is shaping us and things that we thought were going to happen don't happen. Hello. And it's very difficult for us when it doesn't happen. And so, so we have to hear the voice of God. Jeremiah heard the voice of God and God said, I want you to go down to the potter's house and behold, uh, he wrought a work on the wheels. Go ahead. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Ugh. The vessel that he was making. So... I would be horrible if I tried to make something with clay. I would be absolutely incredible. But this uh, was already made for me. It's a uh, salt shaker. But uh, anyway, um, and, and by the way, it, just so you know, this here, um, this green one right here, it's going to be a shock to you if I can get it open. It's going to be a big shock to you. This is uh, a pepper shaker. But anyway, it says, it says so... He made the clay and he, it was marred in the hands of the potter. It was a vessel that he had made, but he wanted to do something greater with it. And so he began to mar it. He began to change it. He began to shift it. He began to shape it. Anybody been through some stuff and you thought your life was going this way and then all of a sudden it started taking a turn and you thought, God, what are you doing here? What's going on here? I thought this was the direction you had for me. And, and, and so it goes on to say, so he made it again, another vessel. I love the fact that God doesn't say, okay, just he marred it and said, you know, this is really not good enough. I'm done with this. That's not what he said. He said he began to make another vessel. I want you to see the vessel as God's destination and his destiny for you. Sometimes things shift in life. Sometimes people make choices. People do different things. But God begins to work in our life through it. So he made it again, another vessel, as, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. As it seemed, how many know that God's good intentions 
God has good intentions. God absolutely has good intentions for you. Go on to verse 5. And then the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 6, O house of Israel, can I, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If God said to you, would you trust me? Would you trust me? Will you allow me to shape you? Will you allow me to work in your life? Will you allow me to do what I want to do in your life? How many of you are like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. How about when the beginning of the year happened in 2017 and I said, God, I want you to work in our church. It's going really well. Everything is fantastic. We, we're seeing people saved every week. We're seeing great things happen. But Lord, I, I just want, if you want to do something different, I trust you to do what you want to do because I've, I read the Bible and the Bible said, Jesus said, I will build my church, not Dana. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want to build my church. Now, how many know God uses buildings, but that's not his building. We're his building. So what are you saying, pastor? What I'm saying is I said, God, I give you permission to allow whatever you want to allow, to do whatever you want to do, to shift, to change, to shape to bring us to where you want to bring us, to do what you want to do. Now, I'm not saying God caused a fire on 38th Street, but he certainly allowed it. He gave us a word that every piece of furniture was about to move in the building. And every piece of furniture, everything in the building moved. He gave us the word two weeks in a row by different prophetic voices that the building, and, and God said, I don't mean spiritually, I don't mean symbolically, I mean literally every piece of furniture is about to move in this building. Now what God could have said is, there is a wiring problem, yea, I say unto thee, there is a wiring problem, I say unto thee. On the first floor in the maintenance room, yea, I say unto thee. He did not say that. He could have said that. Because I said, God, I give you permission to allow what you will allow. After 30 years of being in that building, obviously a wire had, had, had some problems there and, and something happened in the building. God allowed it. He could have shifted it. He could have given us information, but he didn't. What did he do? He allowed it because he had a bigger vision of what he wanted to do with the coming together of his people. The coming together of churches. The coming together of the body of Christ. The question isn't, when are we getting back in our building? The question is, when are we becoming the building? The question isn't, when is God going to re-invoke something? The question is, when, God, are we going to allow you to mold us, to shape us? Because clearly around churches, around church buildings, I say churches, around church buildings, as many great church buildings, as many crowds as there are of people in our vicinity, the culture is not changing. People are, are, are less and less uh, desiring God. God says, I'm not about buildings, I'm about people. Now, he does love to use buildings because buildings house where the people are. But it's not about the building. The question should never be about the building. We're not about getting into a building. We're about getting out of the building into the streets where people's lives need to be changed. And so as I'm saying this this morning, 1 Peter 1.20, I'll just read it to you. 1 Peter 1.20 says, Who verily foreordained before the foundations of the world, 
but was manifest in these last times for you. God foreordained. How many know that God knows what's going to happen? In advance, he knew what you were going to go through. He knew the difficulties that would happen in life. And because of that, he went ahead of you and he put grace into the next season for you. The word says that he gives manifold grace for manifold trials. In fact, what that means is he gives just the right size. And, and watch this. When I put my hands together, they're pretty close match. If this, if this uh, is, is trials and this is grace, this is how grace matches up. If you've got a day where you need a little grace, then that's how much grace matches up. If you've got a day where you need a lot of grace, that's how much grace, grace matches up. You will have grace for whatever you're going through. And to say you don't have grace is to call God a liar. God has strength for you. He has empowerment. He has enablement for you. You're going to get through it. Ephesians 1.5 says this. Ephesians 1.5 says, Having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Say that in Ephesians 1.5. Say, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Okay, so having predestinated us, what did he do? He chose that you and I could choose to be chosen. Hello? Predestination is God going into your future saying, you can choose to be chosen for what I have chosen for you. You can do this, you can do that, but what I have for you is so much better than you could have ever dreamed. Hello? Are you with me, church? Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. I asked my dad one time, I said, Dad, what is the most difficult challenge that you as a minister faces every day? He could have said, oh, we have financial pressure, son. He could have said, oh, people come and they go. He could have said, you know, I've sown into people and I didn't see a lot of good results sometimes. He could have said all, he could have said all kinds of things. He said, he said, my greatest challenge, son, is conforming to the image of Christ on a daily basis. Woo! I said, whoa! That is not what I was expecting him to say. But as every believer, we are called to conform to the image of Christ in the hands, in the hands of the master potter. And so, you know, the Bible says, be not, be, be, be transformed by the renewing of the world. Be not conformed to this world. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. And so, so we are, we are going on a deeper level. We're not just conforming, we are transforming. Confirmation happens when pressure comes. Transformation happens when pressure comes from the inside. Pressure from the outside brings confirmation. Pressure from the inside brings transformation. Our God is transforming us into his image, his image each and every day. So I want to I kind of break this down for you in terms of destiny because I believe that every single one of us are being shaped by destiny. So the potter, the potter works on the clay. And, and listen to this. Um, your destiny is being shaped and it's being written. I wonder how your destiny is being shaped and being written. It's being shaped and it's being written by the relationships you establish. 
Take a look at your five closest friends and it'll tell you where you're headed. I'm not saying you shouldn't be friends with everybody. I'm not saying you shouldn't have acquaintances. But the people who are speaking into your heart ought to be people that are hearing from God. See, a friend is more than an acquaintance. You can have lots of acquaintances. You have lots of people. But if you're going to enter into your destiny, God is using friends to shape you. And if he's using friends to shape you, you better find his divine purpose in those friendships. And if those friendships aren't taking you closer to God, they probably weren't designed by God for your benefit. What else is shaping you? Your gifts, talents, skills, abilities that you discover and develop. The things inside of you that God is using to, to reach other people's. He's developing skills, talents, abilities in you that will take you to the next level. What happened this morning is that a young lady came up here with, uh, with some balls and started juggling. I don't know where God will use that. I don't know where that will go. I don't know if God was just teaching her how to discipline her life and to learn something. But whatever happened there is one step towards the next step in God. Some of us may have done some things that we thought God told us to do and feel foolish because we did it. We didn't win. We didn't get to be the mascot. We didn't get to do that. But here's the point. If you obey God, you're one step closer to the destiny God has for you. Say, when I obey God, I'm one step closer to the destiny God has for me. What else is shaping you? Your decisions and your choices are shaping your life. Your decisions and your choices are either bringing you closer to God, closer to his destiny, or taking you in another direction. It's, it's one or the other. So the choices we make are paramount. The decisions we make every day are huge. Now, it isn't that God can't repair, God can't fix, God can't redeem. He can. But every day we miss it is one day of delay. Hello. What else is he using to shape us? How about the music you listen to? So, well, music is not that big of a deal. Really? I believe Lucifer understood music. In fact, he was created with, with pipes and instruments, even in his being. He didn't have to have an orchestra. He opened his mouth, and it came right out of him. He understood that music just goes down inside your soul and, and, and becomes a part of you. Just to prove it, there used to be an old beer commercial, and I didn't even realize that I had got it. Uh, that, that I even had the music and I heard myself going along and I was going anybody know what it was Budweiser Nan knew it Lord have mercy this is how old this thing is this is how long ago it was I heard myself singing the jingle I didn't even know what I was singing I didn't even know what I was singing one day I was singing this song and uh the song was like, uh, what was the song? I was just, I didn't even know where I ever even heard it. But it was a song about how, uh, uh, it's like, you make my face. What, what was that song they had some time ago? Yeah, I can't feel my face when I'm with you. And I love it. And I like it. And I was like, what am I singing? <laughs> I just heard it on the radio. I can't feel my face. When, and I was like. What is that? So I, I looked it up and found out that happens when you take drugs. There's a certain drug that you can't feel your face. And so they were singing about, about taking the drug and not being able to feel their face. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm just saying that the enemy knows he can get stuff in your spirit 
because music goes right past the brain, right into your spirit. It's shaping you. It's shaping you. As a matter of fact, you can go from happy to sad and sad to happy in a moment. We played some very solemn, uh, somber music one time, and Bella was in the room, and all of a sudden she said, it's, it's making me sad. It's making me sad. Because it does. Music shapes us. What else shapes us? Mentors, heroes, teachers, coaches, fathers, mothers, the people you look, look up to. The problem is we like when they speak into our life when they tell us what we want to hear. We don't like it when they tell us something we don't want to hear. They're shaping us. How about that, young people? You like that? That's good, isn't it? Hallelujah. What's shaping you? Your dreams are shaping you. Your dreams are shaping you. Let me say it this way. Your destiny is not a given. It's more like an invitation. I said, your destiny is not a given. It's more like an invitation. God is choosing for you to choose to be chosen. God has an idea of where he wants to take you. You can go the other direction because he's given you free will. But young people, I want you to understand at this stage in your life, God has something so great for you. You have the ability to step into it. If you'll allow him to take you into his hand, you may have had a shape you envisioned, but his shape is so much better. Your destiny is the opportunity to become all God always intended for you to be, to do, and to have. So your destiny is actually everything God intended for you to be, to do, and to have. What did he intend for you to have? He intended for you to have everything you need to accomplish the vision he has for you. I don't know what you need, but I believe I need a Porsche. But anyway, I believe I need one. That's a joke, honey. Please don't go out and get me one. That's a joke, too. Your destiny is not just to end up in a place. Hear me. Your destiny is not just to end up in a place. Your destiny is to become a person. I said your destiny is not to end up somewhere. Your destiny is to end up somebody. To be all that God intended for you to be. God did not intend for people to take their own lives and to die prematurely. God did not intend for us to take drugs that destroy us. God did not intend for us to do the kinds of things we're doing in our world today. Those things that destroy us. He didn't just intend for us to end up somewhere. He intended us to end up being someone that he called us to be. And any relationship that tears you down... Any relationship that, that doesn't build you up. Now, I don't understand. Iron sharpens iron. Sometimes relationships are confrontational, but that's even building you up. That's right. Unless it's personal and selfish. The question is, is my destiny being shaped or am I being shaped? Here's the question. Is my destiny being shaped or am I being shaped? And the answer is yes. I said the answer is yes. I've shared this before, but a friend of mine wrote a book on panic and fear. She wrote a book on it. Some of you may know her. But she wasn't, she didn't have a degree in it. 
She just had been through it, and God brought her out of it. And then God said, write a book. She wrote the book, and as a result of writing the book, she was invited to a, the biggest conference in the world in London, England, on panic disorder. Not because she, she had some big degree, but because she obeyed God. God said, go down to the potter's house and watch what I will show you. God said, write a book. God said, yeah, you've been through some mess. God said, trust me with what you don't understand. God said, I'm in the middle of this and I'm working it for your good. I'm shaping some destiny for you through what you're going through. God yes, said. Yes. God said. God said, I'm shaping it for you. So she goes there and she speaks and she totally blows away the psychologist and the psychiatrist and all the people there. And what does she do? She tells them how Jesus set her free. And en route to the place, she wins people to the Lord, even in the taxi cabs that she's in. But had she never obeyed God to write the book, she could have said, listen, God, you know, I don't have degrees. Listen, God, I, I, don't, I, I don't have any education in this area. God said, write a book. She wasn't uh, a well-known celebrity. She wasn't somebody that everybody knew. She was a person just like you and I that said, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do. The process is God's decision. The progress is our decision. Let me say it again. The process is God's decision. The progress is our decision. Say it with me again. The process, the process is God's decision. God's decision. The progress, progress is my decision. So you can go part of the way, you know, all the way through. Elijah and Elisha are walking along and they go from place to place. And every place they stopped, Elijah turns to Elisha and says, listen, stay here. And Elisha says, no, I'm going all the way. I'm not stomping here. I'm learning everything I can learn. I'm pouring water on your hands. I don't care what happens. All I want to know is that when you go up, I want your mantle. I don't really care about buildings and land other than the fact that we're called to steward it and take care of it. What I care about is winning people right outside the city. And you think if God would be excited for us to go back and stay in a building just so we could fill it once on Sunday and watch the rest of the city go to hell. Hello church. Well, I come to church because I want a special support group or I want this or I want that. I understand that. We do lots of things, but hear me today church. We have become so consumer in our mentality of church that we based it on whether the music was what I liked, the temperature was right on Sunday, the parking lot was close enough for me to get up to the front space, the seats felt comfortable, the people didn't look at me funny, nobody told me I had to give anything, nobody told me I had to serve in the nursery. We base it on what we want, not based on what God wants. It's God's decision, the process. God says, I'm going to get you there. Ultimately, when you are upset about where you're at, you're actually saying, God, I don't trust you to get me to where you're taking me. I've got to do it myself. Jacob tried to get there by stealing the blessing from his brother. It almost killed him. 
He wrestled with God. He came out with a limp, but he said, I will not leave until you bless me. I don't care if I go through heaven and hell. I don't care what I go through. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what goes on up and down. I just know that God is in the process and I'm going to do what he's called me to do. Wow. When it comes to destiny, the journey is as important as the destination. Your destiny is connected to people, but not dependent on them. I said your destiny is connected to people, but not dependent on them. Because whether they do what they're told to do or not, God's still going to use somebody. Say this with me. I have an in Christ destiny. An in Christ destiny. How many think God's going to take care of Jesus? How many think God has some good stuff for Jesus? If he has good stuff for Jesus, how many know he has good stuff for you? Yes. Stand up on your feet if you're able to. Yes, hallelujah. I'm looking across this room for people who are saying, God, I'm, I'm open to the process. I'm going, to stay, I'm going to stay in the middle of it even when I don't like it. All across the room. Look, look. You can eat this stuff. But I wouldn't. <laughs> God's moving, shaping. He's looking for Gideon's 300. He's looking for the ones who say, God, here am I, use me. I don't care where I'm at, I just want to be with you. I don't care. I don't want to be on the edge of the edge of the edge of the sea watching as Jesus is doing the miracle in the boat out in the middle. I want to be in the middle of the boat where the miracle's taking place. I don't care if there's a storm there. I don't care what's there. I want to be where Jesus is. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're saying today, God, I trust you with my destiny. If that's you on the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Pray with me now. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm so sorry for every sin in my life. I believe you died for me, were buried in a tomb, rose again, and you're coming again. Shape me, make me, mold me, change me. I submit to you because I know what you have for me is better. Everybody said?